The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby Gonzalez. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here are your hosts, Terry and Kristen. Hi, this is Kristen Selby Gonzalez, and I, we are just so excited to have just these two amazing ladies today as our guests. Um, I would like them to introduce themselves because this show today is all about advocacy. And, you know, all of us as parents, we really know what that feels like on what not to do and how to not know the next step. And we have these two wonderful ladies. And hi, welcome. Thank you. Would you introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Kim Yamamoto. And uh, I've been an educational advocate in the state of Arizona for about 13 years, and uh, I uh, got started with uh, a great for a great reason, my son. And how old is your son today? My son, he's just getting ready to turn 16. He actually just got his driver's permit. Oh my gosh, that's which awesome! Is, it's pretty amazing because when he was two years old and two months, he was diagnosed with autism and mental retardation. Wow! And they told me he would always be in special education. He would never have friends. He would always need support. And uh, we worked to change that. And he worked very hard to change that. And that's kind of how I got into this business. And, you know, I was really frustrated as a parent, all the no's that I ran into and the low expectations. And so I decided to change it for myself. And then I just really loved helping other families find the same success that I had the opportunity to do. Oh, that's great. And I'm sure as we start talking, you're going to give lots of great tips and tools. I have so many. I'm sure you do. I can't (laughs) wait to hear myself. And our next guest? Is Elaine Berkeley. I have a master's degree in social work, have been working with special needs kids for over 40 years. I started when I was 12 years old. (laughs) (laughs) um, But my passion in autism started, I have a 25-year-old son who is highly gifted and uh, and high-functioning autism. And we were one of those families that had misdiagnoses till he was close to seven. Even though Mm -hmm. I was in the field, it was very early to have kids diagnosed with high functioning autism. So we got what many families do. We got um, OCD. We got a diagnosis of ADHD. We tried lots of medication. We tried talk therapy. We finally got to UCLA where we got a real diagnosis. I had to go back to the school district fighting, and I've been doing that ever since. And thanks to Nathaniel, I have a career I just love. Oh, 
it's amazing how it comes full circle and you know there's always a reason why something happens I mean as you some of you might know or not know that are listening I'm also a mom of a little guy who has autism and all of us somehow figured out how to get into the community and make a difference and so I'm excited to talk to you guys today because I just can't wait to kind of pick your brains and I'm sure everyone listening just wants to hear and so you know I was thinking you know so you got you're both you're both in the very similar fields you both help get services. Is that, am I correct in that? That's we, correct. We work together. You do. We're colleagues. Oh, and you so are. We, share, um, we share our work. Uh, we both have separate clientele, but we share what we do, and we certainly talk to each other on a regular basis. So if a parent was listening, you know, right now, and they thought, okay, I just got the diagnosis, you know, um, my neurologist told me, because this is what my neurologist said, my child would never look, he was never going to talk, that the best thing that I could do was get him to use a spoon and a fork by the time he was eight, and that hopefully I would get him potty trained by the time he was eight. I remember asking at that time, well, what happens when they turn eight? The neurologist looked at me and said, most children get put into group homes. So that is what I was told and so many others like me are still being told. And so I'm hoping that we have a parent that's listening right now or a friend of a parent that's listening going, oh, my gosh, I just heard that similar you know, situation. What would we tell those parents? What would you say to them? Well, first of all, I would say that... No one has the ability to tell the future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I received the exact same message. It was very much doom and gloom. And um, the one thing that saved me is just to look at your child as an individual, never knowing that no one can predict his future, Mm -hmm. his or her future, and to take each step one step at a time and to look at it as small problems that you're going to overcome and you find success. Um, The one thing that helped me get through emotionally is looking at the situation like I need it to be positive. Mm -hmm. And so focusing on the positives and things that he could do and expanding on that and constantly raising people's expectations and not being afraid to make a mistake because life is full of mistakes, whether you have a disability or you're typical. And so to take that away is is robbing you of, of a life experience that's very important. So those things helped me stay focused and and move ahead and have higher expectations. Well, what's so fascinating is I have friends that have typical children, let's call them. I don't know what typical is anymore anyways, but, you know, whatever that means nowadays, right? Um, And you can't predict what's going to happen to that child. You don't know if at, you know, 18 the child gets diabetes or if the child has, you know, asthma or allergies or who knows what. And yet nobody tells that parent when a child's two, hey, you better watch out because you know, you don't get your hopes up for this child because this child could go on and have something. Mm-hmm. No one ever does that. So what would you recommend or what would you, I guess, talk to about a parent? I think there's two things families need to do right away. They need to read everything they can find that's current. Uh, there are, if There's many books out. I would tell them not to start with the parent's experience book because every child's different, but to look for um, look for the books that go to Amazon. Look for the books that have been the most popular on autism. We could get a list of those. What book would you recommend if you First, were at the top of your head? What would you use, Kim? 
You know, I'm not a fan of the books. I really okay. like the web. Um, I, I find that there's a lot of current information. Um, I, there are so many books that come out on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are hundreds of books now out on autism, and everybody has a different perspective. I really like online websites where families mm-hmm. are currently That's dealing with issues. Um, when I got started, it was a support group around a table at a restaurant, and now we have hundreds of families on websites, sharing information, sharing their experience. And I like that because then as a parent, you can ask your new questions that you have. You can just sit and watch and see what other people's experiences are. So they are very current. And you get the positive and negative side. You know, as a parent, I, I, I never like to sugarcoat anything for anyone because life is tough. Sometimes it's really tough. I remember those days that I didn't want to get dressed because the tantrums were so bad. I just couldn't do it anymore. You know, this is my day. I was done. And so that support group setting online is so much more beneficial at the beginning because then the parent can start from where they're at. And that's really important because everybody starts this journey at a different place. Mm-hmm. Some people in denial. Some people are aggressive and want to change everything. Other people are sad and, and can't take action at all. So just having that opportunity to start wherever you are on a support group online is wonderful. Yahoo has so many different um, support groups depending on where you are in the United States. And and they've been wonderful. And, and so many parents have connected over that, found their new best friend or, or their new community where they feel like that they can really be open about what's happening at home. Well, and it's interesting because social media now is at a whole new height. And oh, it is. so we have so many cool things that, you know, parents have that they didn't have before. What would you recommend, well, Elaine? I just want to go back to the book for one second. Oh, sure. Um, just to tell you the book that made the biggest difference to me, and it is not easy reading, but Temple Grandin's mm. um, Thinking in Pictures, it, to me, what gave me an insight into how our children think that helped me to figure out how to prepare cues for him. Um, But I'm absolutely in agreement because my next thing would have been is that families need a mentor. They need somebody in their... Yes, I like the online, and and Mm -hmm. I've been on many online, including right now the adult, um, two of the adult online groups, but for for people with um, who are on the spectrum. But I think that... You need to see whether there's a group already meeting in your community mm-hmm. because I think every parent needs one or two mentors. I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't found somebody else mm-hmm. that had al- had an earlier diagnosis. Uh, she's That family is the one that got me past the beginning of grief mm-hmm. and able to start coming out fighting. Yeah. So I I think that they need to be online. I also think that families need to be very careful when they're online about the opinions of other people. There is so much out there. Mm -hmm. Some works for some people. It doesn't work for others. So they have to figure out what looks right for their life and make sure that they aren't being swayed by people who are giving them old information um, they just need to be careful. Or even tailored information yes. for their own child, but it's yes. not so much for your child. Right. And yes. that happens a lot, especially in social media. Yes. You, you'll put a post sometimes, and then you'll see, and somebody, gets, they, they have good meaning, you know, they have good intention, but it's basically, they're, they want you to do it the same way they did it, and 
I think as parents, I think as moms especially, um, we have instincts. And I feel like the best thing, when if any listeners are listening, for me at least, I when I get myself in like a kind of that moment where I don't know what to do, um, I little, get a little confused, I literally just don't think about anything for a couple of days. And what comes to me, that usually seems to be the path that I'm supposed to take. And so when you're talking about, you know, looking at what other people are saying, definitely take it for what it means. But that does not mean that that is your quote unquote plan. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Do you guys agree? I use it um, when I get ideas from other people. I use it as a spark. Mm-hmm. A spark to take me to investigate other ideas. And then oh, I once, like the thought of that. Yeah. That's great. And, and that's really what it is. I mean, if you think about bouncing ideas off your girlfriends for any subject, mm-hmm. any, you know, any area, that's what we do. We look for feedback that starts an idea. And then you want to research that idea to make sure it is a right fit for your family, to make sure it's the right time, that you have the energy and the ability to do it at that time. Some things I looked at initially I was not able to do because I, the life was too complex at the time. So then I moved on and came back to it later when I did have the time. So that was really important. Kim and I have both had the experience. We were on a number of local um, e-groups e- mm-hmm. for parents with autism. And we, when we see something having to do with schools that we know people are getting incorrect information on, mm-hmm. we'll go ahead and either tell people to call us and give our and give them our phone number or we will give a message if we think it means something to the whole group and what happens on sort of a regular basis is you'll get one or two parents coming on and telling people that it isn't correct even though they know that we really are the experts so um, you just need to know if you're if you're going online that you want to know who the experts are and what their real background is. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, going back to what you were talking about with the book with Temple Grandin, yeah. um, I don't know, if, especially if you're new um, listening um, or a new parent or even a family member, you might not know that the movie was just out and it's won a ton of awards. If you're like me, and I do read a lot of books, sometimes I don't have a ton of time to read the other 50 books on my desk. Mm-hmm. That movie, I thought, was so amazing. It was very good. Because it gave the visual of what she possibly was thinking. And apparently it is what she was thinking because she was on set. So Mm -hmm. she was telling them. And I thought, to me, it was like so eye-opening of what our children might be experiencing. And I think especially for family members who really don't really grasp it yet because they're Mm -hmm. not living with it every day, great, you know, thing for them to watch as well. But when you said the book, I thought, oh, the movie, you know, so it was really great. All right. So I know we have a couple minutes before break. And I want to kind of get into a little bit of what would be, so we went into what they could go into, like maybe social groups or, you know, looking for books and things like that. Mm-hmm. But what do they do? The school is a big deal. And I, as soon as we get back, I would definitely want to jump into this. But before we go, you know, what is something that, who do they start with? I mean, do they start with their local teacher? Do they start with, I mean, who do they make a meeting with, the principal? I mean, these are all brand new things for a lot of people out there. And hearing the word IEP, they might not even know what that means. So before we go to break, just let's kind of first like define IEP and then also um, who do they talk to? IEP is an individual education plan falling under the Individuals with Disability Education Act that per- has protections for our children and provide 
provide how the school district is expected to meet those needs, not specifically, um, not what programs, but rather that our kids need to be looked at individually and the services and the accommodations and modifications in school placement need to be done according to a child's individual needs. That comes about the first time, well, comes about in general through a series of actions that either the school or the parent need to start out with. When a family believes or a school believes that a child has a special need, they they need to do a full battery of testing, whatever they can do on that particular child. Many parents come with testing already done, letters from doctors telling them that the child um, is affected by autism. The school then needs to look at those Mm -hmm. and to meet, to determine what else they're going to need to be able to make a placement on the child. Almost every school district that I've worked with wants to do some type of assessment, Mm -hmm. and from there, I don't know every state, mm-hmm. but it's call, the first meeting is called something like either a review of existing data meeting or a um, MET meeting, which is a it, the the first meeting is it after testing is completed is to look at um, what was found and then to determine what services the child will need and then determine whether the child um, requires an IEP and is eligible for an individual education plan. All right. Well, when we get back, I definitely want to touch back on that again. And basically also, when we come back, we're going to talk about, you know, what, you know, diving that into that a little bit more, but also um, what services, you keep talking about these services. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure these parents want to hear what services, you know, can they get. So we'll Mm -hmm. be right back, you guys. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with your host, Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here are Terry and Kristen. 
All right, we are back. This is Kristen Selby Gonzalez, and um, I'm hosting this week's show. And um, we have some amazing guests here today. I'm just so excited. And we are talking about, you know, being an advocate for our child. And, you know, we have these wonderful ladies, Kim and Elaine, here telling us what their journey was and giving us these wonderful tips and tools on what we need to do to try to get the services for our children. Because many of us, when we were pregnant, had no idea that our child would have autism and I don't know about you guys but no pregnancy book I read talked about you know fighting the school district um, and for services for my son um, so we were talking off on break and Elaine and I were talking and she was talking about what happens before in a sense a, an IEP because she had so lovely she basically put it together so nicely for us in the last segment of what an IEP is. However, she was talking about FAPE. Now, I used to be a teacher, and yet I had never heard of this myself. So can you define what FAPE is and then also what least restrictive environment means? I think that those things, you might not hear them yet, guys, but if you're going to go into the schools, these are the words you're going to start hearing. So can you define those for And us? those are also words parents need to Google. FAPE is a free and appropriate public education. Okay. That's what the law calls for. Schools will tell you they don't owe your child a Cadillac. We tell them that we want an engine in our Chevy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and so free and appropriate education means that school. To, if you have a child with autism or on the autism spectrum, your school has a, the obligation to provide the education your child will need to learn. There's controversy as to whether or not they have to learn the same curriculum as the rest of the kids their age, whether it's modified. The law says a number of things that are interpreted at one time or another differently or by school districts. But the point of it is that you need to, as a parent, you need to be aware of what's out there. That's the pieces you need to talk to other families about. Um, talking about least restrictive environment or LRP. LRE. But LRE, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old. Uh, um, families need to be aware that least restrictive environment starts with a child being in the regular classroom, in a general education classroom. If the child needs more, the next step is how does the district put in supports for the child? in the district, mm -hmm. whether that is teaching the teacher, getting training for the teacher and how you work with a child who's on the spectrum, whether that means that work needs to be accommodated. For my son, although he was very bright, his processing speed, his ability to do the work was quite slow. And so we had to take the work and cut it at least in half so that he could demonstrate that he could do it. From at that point, and again for many families, we need another person in the classroom. They call that person different things in different places. A paraeducator, a personal assistant, a one-on-one -on -one aide, whatever the name of it is, is a person who must be trained. They need mm -hmm. to know what autism is, not just a person who has been a parent and loves kids and is hired 
because these people don't make a lot of money and they want to do their job, but they need specific autism training and training on the child that they're going to work with. That person's position then is to help the child stay focused and on task, to help the teacher to change, to, to accommodate paperwork when necessary, to be able to take the child for a walk if they see that that child is mm-hmm. beginning to become agitated. The person should not be doing the work for the child or available at all times. The person needs to be what we call a shadow aid, not in the child's view unless they're needed. They, uh, that's all training that school districts can provide, and school districts who can't do that can contract with agencies that can do that. Once a child it's shown that those aren't going to be things that will work, the next step becomes what else is available within the district, and I'll let Kim talk to about other programs. Okay. Um, I, I do want to touch a little bit on the least restrictive environment in FAPE, just a, a, a tad, because the important thing about that families need to know about this is this is the reason that they have specialized education, mm-hmm. um, to provide free and appropriate public education so that your child with a disability or a special need can access what all the other children are accessing it. Now, real quickly, you say appropriate, and I hear that a lot in our community. That's and our key word. It is. It's a key word. Oh, and the thing is, how do we help the families, though, understand what is appropriate? Because what the schools, from what I'm hearing, what the schools are saying is, quote, unquote, appropriate, mm-hmm. is not typically what the parents believe is appropriate for their child. So there becomes almost this battle. Right. And so how does a parent, um, I guess, get educated enough to understand understand what appropriate means and how they can then fight for what their children need in the appropriate manner, I guess. Well, how to define appropriate is very difficult, but what I tell families to do is to understand what is expected of all children, and most states have some sort of standards in which every child needs to meet, and so that's a good place to start, Mm -hmm. to understand what is expected of a child of your child's age, Mm -hmm. or, you know, just below or just above, to understand what those expectations are, and then to work backwards from that to where your child is at, and then say, all right, these are the steps and things we need to do in order to reach that goal. So the appropriate falls somewhere between where typical children's typical child is and where your child is. Um, the best way to find that is through evaluation. Okay. A- identifying clearly where the student is, where your child is at, or the high school teenager is at, is critically important in order to be able to say this is appropriate. Um, that also helps you say, you know, m- you know, I've tried, you know, we've tried A, B, and C, and those haven't worked because my child's still at this level. And so now this program, this particular style or approach, is appropriate because these other ones haven't worked. So now, real it's quickly, data. When, you, when you were talking about, um, you're, you're basically talking about, uh, you know, trying to figure out what was best, you know, for that child. Right. How, how how does how does a parent um, understand, you know, what that means to go into the classroom? And when you're talking about shadowing and aids and everything mm-hmm. else, I'm thinking if I'm a new parent, it's very confusing. I, I would be so confused. And the other thing is the evaluations you were talking about. Uh-huh. Um, 
who evaluates it? Do I trust the fact, not to say the schools aren't amazing, but do I trust them to evaluate? Do I hire a private person to evaluate? What do I do? Great question. So I'm going to start with the evaluation piece because that is the where we start. Mm-hmm. Um, as advocates, you have to have a good baseline to find out you know, where everyone yeah. is. So as far, as far as evaluations, the school districts typically want to evaluate. And Mm -hmm. um, you would not look like a good participant if you did not allow them to do so. If you have your own evaluations already, it would be ridiculous to reproduce those. Mm -hmm. And in many testing situations, you cannot, you you know, there has to be year span. So you would bring those in if you already had them. If the school district evaluates and you disagree with that evaluation, you can ask for an independent evaluation at the expense of the school district. And so that is your second opinion. And often that's what happens when you come to a point where there is disagreement or you're unsure or you're just, if you'd like to know more, the second opinion is very important. So you would ask for an IEE. Anything you ask for in the school district, you always want to... What is an IEE? Define that. Okay. Independent evaluation at the expense of the school district. And you always want to do that in writing. Oh, and writing. Very good. And Elaine, you have to add to that. And if people go to rightslaw.com. Say that slowly. Rightslaw, W-R-I-G-H-T-S-L-A-W, rightslaw.com. There are letters that uh, there are letters there that they can use, copies of letters they can use. There's templates. Kim and I will have those. We do. We have some on our website already that they could also look at. What is your website as people are listening? azvice.com. azvice.com. Okay, perfect. So they they can look at both of those to get letters. But when they go to get their third party evaluation, the school district will probably give them a list of people. They need to call those people and find out how much experience they've had with autism, what their specialty is, how many children with autism they've worked with. They need to ask other parents, do you know, these, do you know this person? We've come a long way in the years that I've been working with this in that at least in medium and large cities, people are, there are specialists. Mm-hmm. And you do not have to use the person the school district tells you to use. That is an individual decision allowed under the law. So people need to look for somebody who knows autism, feels mm-hmm. autism, and knows what they're, what they're looking for. That's very important. Absolutely. Um, The evaluator that you use, if they don't have experience, that's what you're going to see in your report and your data. So once you do have the data, um, whether it's the school report or you wait and you get the second opinion after the school report, you take that information and you see um, specifically where the child's at. And when you have a child with autism, you're focusing on a couple different areas. Communication is number one. And that can be speech or it can be social. Um, The social component to language is, is very important. Um, speech and language pathologists call that pragmatic language. Okay. And it is very important. And, and it's what all students need to learn. Um, in the state of Arizona, those goals are called workplace goals. And um, those are critical in engaging in all academic activities. The next piece is around a sensory. Mm-hmm. Is your child's sensory needs being met so that they can access whatever is going on around them? If their nervous system is not prepared to learn... 
of course they're going to be fidgeting in their seat or they're not going to be paying attention. They're going to be stimming. Or I say that all the time. Yeah. When you think about if you have a headache, people. Think about if you have a headache and you're in algebra class. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to want to listen. Right. And your brain just hears wah, wah, wah. You can't even think straight. So mm-hmm. imagine our kiddos who their sensory is completely out of whack, and we're trying to teach them how to sit down or stand up or, you know, communication um, with peer modeling or something. Right. And our kids who are sitting in the classroom running their favorite movie through their head, playing a video game in their head, which is just as important mm-hmm. as anything else around them, how do we get them to attend to what's going on, and a lot of that has to do with sensory. Well, we're going to be going to break here in a moment. I am so excited at what we're talking about, and I'm sure the listeners are going, I, I can't imagine you guys not sitting there going, I need to know more. So when we come back, we're going to definitely give you guys the first steps, and I think that's important of what they need to do. Like, let's say they get done listening to this program and who they're going to call next. And so as soon as we get back, uh, we'll be jumping right into that, guys. So we'll be back in a moment. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with your host, Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here are Terry and Kristen. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Selby Gonzalez, and we have been having just a fun, amazing conversation with uh, Kim and Elaine today about how we can be an advocate for our own children and how we can find an advocate to help us. Before we jump back in, I wanted to remind you guys that Terry Aranga will be back next week, so very excited about that. And also, if you guys have not heard this yet, and I don't know what planet you're living on if you haven't heard this, but Autism One is a free conference this year, guys. And, you know, it's $25 for a registration fee, which is pretty much necessary 
nothing. And that gets, you know, your your books and everything else. It's in Chicago like it is every year, the last part of May. Go to autismone.org for more information and register, guys, and we hope to see you guys there. So, again, excited about that. All right, guys, so let's jump back in because I swear we could talk about this all day. This is so exciting because I'm thinking the parents are sitting there going, oh, my gosh, I've been wanting to know about this. So, okay, so on a commercial break, it's so funny, guys. On commercial break, all this cool stuff happens, and we want to, we're like, we have to stop talking because we want you guys to hear it. And so during commercial break, Elaine, you were talking about some really interesting, um, I think, stuff for the families to know about. One, we want to talk about what your guys' clientele base, you know, really looks like. And two, there's different types of advocates you can get. Um, mm-hmm. And I know both of you guys do it differently, and I think it's important for them to hear in, for example, what you do, um, Elaine, versus what you do, Kim, mm-hmm. and what different prices they may look at. Okay, great. Let's start out with the fact that a parent needs to, when they're looking for an advocate in their community, they need to look for a specific skill set. And let me just go through some of them, and Kim may want to add to the things mm-hmm. the person needs to know. There are a lot of people out there calling themselves advocates because we are not licensed, I, and I don't think in any state at this moment no, there's we're, yeah, that, we're, that anybody is licensed, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So what you're looking for is a person that has years of experience. The, there are new people out there. We all have to learn someplace. But you might as well look for somebody who has who's already been doing this and has worked with many families so that they've learned, because we learn at every single meeting we go to, they've learned new things as they go along and not just necessarily what they might have, might have been taught in school or what they learned as a parent or through their parent group. So you're looking for somebody who has experience. You're looking for somebody who understands the components that are necessary when you're when you're dealing with a child with autism and those are the, they need to know about speech and language services they need to know about occupational therapy services they must know how to read psychological reports and what those mean and how you take various scores and apply that to education on top of which what i have learned over the last 12 years of doing advocacy is they must understand reading and the components to reading. It's not, there's, reading is a really finite, um, it's a really finite issue because different reading programs produce different things. The one your school district is using may not have any scientific data or peer review behind it. So you want to take, they need to, to have somebody who knows about that. They need to, the person needs to understand what math is and how our kids think about math. So many of our kids either do very well or don't get it. And math includes time, time. math includes money. So they need to know about math. They need to know about behavior. They need to understand what behaviors are expected in a classroom and what a child needs to have to learn that. And they must understand the social piece Mm -hmm. of autism and what schools are expected to provide. They also need to understand our children are going to grow up 
as I well know, having a 25-year-old, and what is that child going to need to support them in the community? Our state, Arizona, has workplace standards and functional standards in, in, for all children. Mm-hmm. We use that as the basis of where our kids need to be. So they need to find somebody that does all of that. Is there like Include. a web? I'm sorry. Is there oh, yeah. a website though that somebody can find an advocate? Um, uh, no, there's not a place you can go and shop. It does okay. is something you have to search the web for or ask on your local um, support groups. But I would like to add that when you're looking for an advocate, you want to make sure you, that the person you're working with understands that this process is about negotiation, mm-hmm. and yes. that they understand that it is extremely important that parents have a positive relationship with their school district. As um, difficult as this situation may be, we still have to work with each other each day. And it's very important that the person you're working with has a good relationship with the school district that knows how to um, not only maintain relationships, but build and repair those that have been broken. And that is very important, not just in um, that the words they use in the meetings, but how they interact with the, with the parent when they're communicating with them or planning with them. That is very important. So what I did personally and what I recommend to clients when they're looking for an advocate is spend 15 minutes talking on the phone. Make sure that the message that they're delivering is the message that you want to come from your heart as mm-hmm. a parent because um, it can affect so many things. You know, if you make the adults you're working with very angry, they're less likely mm-hmm. to do the things that you need them to do. So you really do need to work as a team. And teams can disagree on issues, but you can also get past them. Compromise. And, and find other ways to solve problems. And that is so critical in looking for an advocate and finding an advocate that's appropriate. Now, Elaine and I have a little bit different styles. And, you know, sometimes I'm nice and sometimes she's nice and sometimes I'm, I'm rough. I'm always and, nice, Kim. <laughs> and sometimes she's a little rough. But, you know, the key is... Um, Myself, I specialize in going in and solving problems, and I encourage families to advocate for themselves when they can, and I give them the information, knowledge, and know-how to do so. I have videos on our website that show parents exactly what they need to do and the language that they need to use so that they are they're able to do it themselves. But there are situations where it's gone past that and they need someone to solve the problem. That's what I do. Um, for problem solving, you, the fees you're looking at, a flat fee of like $250 to $350 here in the state of Arizona. And it's different. Per, per meeting. Per meeting. How many meetings typically does it do they have? It depends. You know, some problems can be solved in one meeting. Others take three or four. Okay. So um, the more complex the situation. How, how long span? Like, what's the, the span of a meeting? So, like, do I have one every quarter? Do I get one every 30 days? It's, it's really upon the need of the situation. Um, most meetings or most issues can be resolved for me in two meetings. Okay. And um, if not, your advocate should be able to tell you, listen, this situation is very complex. You're looking at three or four meetings because we have to have an independent evaluation. You mm-hmm. have to discuss that. You have to make a plan. You have to let them try and, you know, try to fix it. And if they don't, then they come back to the table again. So um, sometimes it's very simple. But your advocate should be able to tell you what the process is going to be okay. um, so that you have an idea. Again, we're just, you know, it's, it's always an approximation because you're dealing with people. Now, Elaine, tell them a little bit about what you do because you're more of what I call the hand holder. You make the whole picture come together. And although I would love to do that, that's just not my personality. I'm every child's grandmother. Aww. And so every mother is my daughter. I love and it. I do for them 
even though they might drive me crazy once in a great while, is I do for them, so does my daughter, <laughs> do for them what I would do if it was my grandchild. Having the knowledge base and the experience that I do have, I charge an, for almost everything. I charge an annual fee. And we're in Arizona. We are probably less than many states. I charge approximately, depending on what I'm working with, $2,275. The 75 has to do with the price of gas. Um, <laughs> um, and I work with families for one, one calendar year. Okay. And I start out with... I, I cannot work with a child I haven't seen. I'm a social worker. Uh-huh. I need to know that family. I need to know that child. If it's something that that doesn't need, I, I just sent somebody to Kim the other day and said, you, you really don't need me. Um, Kim also had a better relationship with that school district. But I, I prefer to take families that have significant problems, have, may have multiple disabilities, have kids, uh, spectrum kids, um, bipolar kids. Those are my favorites. And I start out by, I need to see that child at home. Mm-hmm. I need to see how they relate in their own environment. And I usually spend about three hours the first time I go out. If it's a family that has been in the system for a long time, I need to look over all the records. There are, are a lot of technicalities. I need to see if that child's been there and their goals on their IEP haven't been met. Mm-hmm. I want to see how many years they haven't been met for mm-hmm. because that's the school district's issue, mm-hmm. and that's their responsibility. It's their goal. It's, not, it's a goal for the child, but it's not the child's goal. So I want to look over their IEPs. I want to watch their child's communication skills at home. I want to watch a little bit of how they're parenting. So we spend three, and three, and a half, three to three and a half hours. I also want to see what kind of outside services they're getting, and every state is different. We have services here in our state provided through um, the Department of Developmental Disabilities only to families who have a pure autism, not high-functioning autism, not, not PDD, NOS. But if parents have rights, we also have a law here having to do with your insurance that is not in every state. Mm-hmm. So I work with parents to help to coordinate those services. If they're already working with an agency, I then work with the agency as well to make sure somebody comes to an IEP meeting who really knows that child. I do a school observation for every child where I'm allowed to come in. There's a difference between districts as to whether or not they'll let you do it. It's very hard for Kim and I, because Kim does observations too, if we don't know what that classroom looks like. Well, my gosh, and we're already going to commercial break what? again. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm like listening to you guys at the edge of my seat going, this is so awesome. And, you know, I want people to know, though, too, you guys have, before we go to break, you guys have worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of clients, right? Yes, yes. And so I think, um, you know, because not everyone's lucky enough to live in Arizona. And so the people that are out there, you know, asking for references, I imagine, would be a huge, huge. huge key. And when we come back, we'll really just kind of wrap up and, you know, let the parents know, you know, where can they find people, what questions maybe to ask, you know, an mm-hmm. advocate. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll fire some other things to talk about when we come back. So we'll be back in a moment. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. 
More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with your host, Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 1 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here are Terry and Kristen. Hi, this is Kristen Selby Gonzalez, and we're back. And we have been talking to Elaine and Kim, and they have just, oh my gosh, you guys have given us so many helpful hints and tips and tools. And and as before we went to commercial, we were talking about, okay, so you guys have worked with hundreds and hundreds of families. Now, if I'm a new parent out there and I'm looking for an advocate, um, what are some questions I'm going to ask them? Because, of course, I'm going to get references from other families of who they may have used, but I need to know like maybe the top five questions I need to know going in to ask that advocate. Uh, the first question I ask is how long have you been doing this? Okay. Okay, and not just for yourself. Um, it's different to advocate for your own child than it is for someone else. And what kind of relationships do you have with the school district that I'm in? Mm-hmm. That's number two, relationship is so important. What is your approach on negotiation? Tell me how you negotiate with schools in difficult situations. So that's number three. Um, Number four would be what kind of experience do you have around whatever I'm concerned about? So if I'm concerned about reading, what experience and or knowledge do you have about reading? Or if it's about behavior for my child, do you understand a fun, you know, behavior and and how that happens and what the assessment Mm -hmm. should look like? Um, so, it, or if it's math or PE or social interaction, so I would ask about the things that, as a parent, I'm most concerned about. And you don't—you have to use formal language like I am. You can say it the way you feel it, but those are the questions that you want to make sure that they have experience around. Do you ask why they got into it? Um, you know, I didn't. I know a lot of people do ask me, and I honestly don't mind sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have met advocates who both um, came in it from the education ed- educator side mm-hmm. and the parent side, and I've found successful people in from both of those Wonderful. directions. 
Um, and the last thing that I look for is not in a question, but it's their passion and dedication that I listen and look for. So it's not really a question. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, if they can't return your call in a timely manner or if they're distracted and unable to answer your questions, that's probably a red flag and you need to pay attention to that. Always looking for someone who matches your personality is so important. Um, For instance, I am someone who can't stop talking. Imagine that. (laughs) And so I looked for someone who had that control and ability to do to 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 stop and and listen, Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't have that capability when I was my own child's advocate. Because the passion took over, Mm -hmm. not the mind. And so that's what I was looking for. So you you know you really need to match it up to your personality. So that would be my advice. Elaine, do you have anything extra? I used to cry in my son's IEPs, so I had to bring somebody with me. They didn't have to know as much as I did, but they had to be there to be the calm person in the mix. So uh, I think that adding to this piece, it does not hurt to ask somebody if they have a child. Mm-hmm. That Because I do, I think there are people on both sides that can do it. I think that the passion comes from those of us who've had to deal with it. But you also have to be careful that you don't hire somebody who thinks your child should have what their child has or needs what your child They need mm-hmm. to know the wide range of spectrum disorder and what kids at various levels can do. And I, I think Absolutely. Kim's right Absolutely. that you need to ask them, how many IEP meetings have you gone to in my district? What's your relationship with my district? We have many districts here in Arizona, and Kim and I both have ones in which we can pick up the phone and call a special ed director and say, gee, there's a problem. How can we work on this together? And then there's those that we give each other. We give the case to each other because we don't have a relationship with that district that we think is healthy for the family. Mm -hmm. So you need to ask them what their relationship is. You also want to find out if they've ever worked for that district. If they did, I suggest you find somebody else. If they've been an employee for yes. the district. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Then, then it's almost as though it's a double agent in well, a sense, right? I don't think it's necessarily a double agent. I think it's more um, you're concerned uh, where their li- loyalties, loyalties are. Yes. Okay. are. And, and we believe that an agent, uh, an agent, a advocate should not be doing advocacy in their own district Um, If they have a child there, if their child is not getting the services that they deserve, Kim does does advocacy in her son's Mm -hmm. district. I wasn't able to do that because we were always trying to figure out the next thing. So you want to check on whether or not the person has any other relationship outside of yours with the district. I'd like to add why I don't, uh, why I advocate in my son's district Because you're now. good. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because he no longer needs special education support. That's right. That He's so on a 504. He um, is considered to be completely recovered. And, yeah. <laughs> now, does he still think with, like someone with autism? Absolutely. Absolutely. But he's successful. He has friends. He's part of the community. He will be an independent taxpayer. Very and good. so um, that is why I choose to do that. But if I did have a child receiving services in a district, that would be a conflict of interest because your emotions come into play. And one of the most effective things about an advocacy besides a relationship is the disconnect, the emotional disconnect mm-hmm. from the situation so you can come in with a clearer mind. 
because that emotional or that heart pull that we have mm-hmm. as parents sometimes fog the situation and it, and it interferes with our ability to listen mm-hmm. and to communicate the things that are most important to us. Now, I've just so enjoyed every minute that I've been sitting here with you guys and just because we're wrapping up right now, we're at the end of the show and, you know, just a you know, one, I guess one sentence of, you know, you're wanting to tell a parent, what's the message you want to leave um, for you, Kim, um, for that parent? The message that I want to leave for all parents mm-hmm. is higher expectations. Love it. Don't be afraid to fail. Go out there and try it, try it, try it, try it. It really does make a difference, and it's okay to try something and fail. But the great thing about it is you try so many things and you succeed. I love it. And There's and nothing and better. What about you, Aline? I, I'm so close to what Kim would say is... We don't know what percentage of children with autism also have mental retardation. Mm -hmm. I would never assume that a child with autism has that. You cannot test for it. You put expectations on your child to be everything that they can be. And you expect your school district to expect the same thing. I love that. Expect the school district as well. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys so much for being here today and like talking. I know you've helped so many people across the world today. And, I mean, to me, I'm sitting there thinking we could do a whole other show on this. So hopefully you guys will come back and Absolutely. we can talk more because I think we can dive in a lot more. And, um, you know, thank you guys for all listening. And remember, um, Terry will be back next week. And, you know, again, guys, don't give up. My message to you is don't give up. Progress for one of our kiddos provides hope for everybody. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Enza Medica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. For more information, go to autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope, with host Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.